This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Met me yet? I haven't met you yet. My name is Evan Havens. I'm the associate pastor at the church here, and I get the privilege of, of presenting the word to all of you. Pastor Stormy and Shelley are out of town; they're on vacation, and so we pray blessings over them and pray that they're getting the much-deserved rest. And hey, if you are here and you don't have a Bible with you and you would like to look on with us in the Word of God, if you'll just lift up your hands, our awesome team of ushers will bring a Bible to you so that you can look on with us during service. And once you get that Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. So, I'm going to continue Pastor Stormy's series. It's called Called. And he's been talking to us about men and women all through scripture and about the calling of God on each and every one of our lives. And if you've been here or if you've watched on YouTube, you've seen that this has been an incredible series And so it's my honor to to keep it going today. And so we're going to talk about a different kind of call. And if you're taking notes, the title of the message is The Daily Call. Everybody say The Daily Call. See, we often look at men and women in Scripture, and we think about that big purpose, that life-altering moment in their lives, and we think of that as their calling. So we could look at Moses, and we could think Moses was called to take the children of Israel who had been in captivity for 400 years and finally bring them out of captivity. We could look at Joshua, and we could say, well, Joshua, he was called to finally bring the children of Israel into the promised land that God had promised to Abraham all those years ago and finally walked them from the wilderness into living in the promised land, and that was his call. We could look at Esther, and we could say Esther was called to be the queen and to to step out in faith and save her entire people from being wiped out. The Bible even says about Esther that she was called for such a time as this. We can look at Jonah. And though he didn't obey the first time, we say that he was called to go and preach to the people of Nineveh and see an entire city turn their eyes towards Jesus and begin to walk in faith. And that's the way that we view calling. And so when we look at ourselves, our lives, we could say, well, well, maybe I'm called to be a doctor and I'm gonna be that doctor that finally cures cancer. Or maybe I'm called to be a teacher and I'm gonna raise up the next Albert Einstein out of my class. Maybe you'd say, I'm called to be a mother and I'm gonna give birth to and raise the next president of the United States. And we look at our lives, our callings, as these big, grandeur, life-altering moments and that is part of it but we also have a call in our lives every single day. It's not as much about who we will be as it is about who we are today, right now in this moment. And so we're looking at the daily call. And we're gonna look at three different areas that mark the daily call in our lives. So if you're taking notes, number one, calling is a journey. Everybody say a journey. You may think, well, sure, I know that. Calling is a journey, and the destination is when I finally get my career. Calling is a journey, and the destination is when I finally graduate college. When I finally get to retire, and I can just sit on my front porch and drink orange juice all day. Calling is a journey, but the destination is heaven. 
As long as there's breath in our lungs, as long as there is life in our bodies, we have a calling on this earth, and it's a calling for today. And we will continue to walk that calling, that journey with God, until the day when we see him face to face. And so let's look at how this played out in David's life. See, David was, was he called to be the king? Was he called to defeat Goliath? Was he called to lead the armies of Israel in battle to defeat their enemies? Was he called to bring peace to Saul by playing the harp? Was he called to start making the preparations that his son would one day use to build the temple? Yes. Yes, all of those things were his call. Each of those moments, each of those things were part of his journey. What was he called to do when he was 13 years old? Let's take a look. This is 1 Samuel 16, and we're gonna start in verse 11. What's happening here, most of you know this story, but this is when Samuel comes to Jesse's house because God told Samuel that one of Jesse's sons would be the king, and you know that the first seven sons were brought before Samuel, and God said about each one of them, I have rejected them. I have not chosen them as king. And so Samuel's confused, and he says, God told me to come here and anoint one of Jesse's sons. Jesse brought all his sons. God said no to each one of them, and this is where we pick up in verse 11. So he, Samuel, asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Uh, kind of, that's what Jesse says. He says, there is still the youngest. He's tending sheep. And so you can answer, that's okay. What was David called to do at 13 years old? Two of you got it, that's good. He was called to tend the sheep. And so Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So in verse 13, it says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Gotcha, brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. And so in this moment, the scripture says that David was changed. That from that moment, the, no, the moment when he was anointed to be the king of Israel, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And so you may think that because he was anointed to be the king, and because the spirit of the Lord had come powerfully upon him, that he began to walk in that calling. But let's look at the very next place we find David Mentioned in the verses, and it's in verse 19, just six verses down. And verse 19 says, Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So when he got anointed to be the king of Israel, the next thing he did was go back to the sheep. Why? Because David was anointed to be the king, but he was still called to be a shepherd. And each one of us, we might be anointed to be something later in life, but right now we have a calling. And our calling is a journey that continues to change, and our calling continues to change until we reach our destination, which is heaven. So our calling is a journey. And God has a purpose for you and for me in today. In this moment, in the next moment, in the next moment. And instead of always just looking for that thing, We've gotta be in the moment where God has us right now. See, what if David would have just 
skipped all the steps leading up to being a king. He wouldn't have been prepared for what God had, had anointed him and called him to do. God had a purpose in all of David's pain. He had a, had a purpose in all of David's trials. He had a purpose in all of the things that David went through. Even when David mentions that he's gonna fight Goliath, when he tells Saul, I'll fight that giant, what does he do? He tells Saul about the things that God had done in his life when he was a shepherd. In our journey, God is preparing us. Don't skip over the journey. Amen? Amen. All right, turn in the book of Matthew. We're gonna look at what calling looks like in the New Testament, Matthew chapter nine. So there's a lot of people in the world who were called to be an associate pastor. But there's nobody else in the world who is called to be an associate pastor who grew up in a family of nine children, was homeschooled until they went to high school, who went to college for two years at South Plains and then college for one year at Christ for the Nations Institute, who worked as a car salesman and a middle school teacher and a lifeguard, and my favorite job, Bahama Bucks, because I got to eat free Bahama Bucks every day. <laughs> and obviously that's a gross generalization of my life, but my calling is unique. Your calling is unique. You may be a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, an electrician, a plumber, but your calling is as unique as your fingerprints are. Your fingerprints, there's not a single person in all of human history, nor will there ever be a human in all of, until eternity that has the same fingerprints as you. God created you that uniquely, and your calling is as unique as those. There is nobody else in the world who is called to have the most beautiful wife in the world. I'm sorry, it's just, that one's for me. God has a unique calling for you. And so look at what Jesus did when he called the disciples. You know that he's starting his ministry and he's gathering up these followers. He's, he's calling them to follow him in his ministry. And what we might do, we, want, we might wanna prepare somebody for what they're getting into, right? So maybe Jesus should have gone to them and said, all right, listen, for three years, you're gonna lay hands on the sick, they're gonna recover. We're gonna amass a large following. People are gonna love us. They're gonna cheer for us as we walk down the streets. They're gonna lay down the palm branches. We're gonna walk through, it's gonna be incredible. You're gonna watch me lay hands on the, on the dead. They're gonna be raised to life. This is sounding good. And then after three years, everybody's gonna hate you. You're gonna run and hide. And then you're gonna have to do like this underground church thing and they're gonna kill you. That's not how Jesus called his disciples, right? He didn't give them that big end of life moment Here's what he did tell him, Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And that's the same thing that Jesus is saying to each and every one of us. Simple as that, follow me. Let me take you on a journey. Let me show you something new each and every day. Walk in your call for today and follow Jesus. It's not about the destination yet. We'll get there. But right now, our job is to follow Jesus. In the book of Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul is writing, and he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining what's, towards, what's ahead, I press on towards the goal 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul recognized that his destination was heaven. And that until then, his job was to press on towards the goal. To press on, to win the prize. To allow Jesus to lead him, to allow the Father to guide him. That there was purpose in every part of his life. Whenever I was deciding what I was going to do after high school, I remember just wondering, what, what does God have for me? What is my purpose on the earth? What am I supposed to do? Right? Those are questions a lot of you just graduated high school and you may be wondering the same types of things. What was I put on this earth for? And I remember feeling the call of God. I had, I had been coming to this church for about a year when I graduated high school. And I loved guitar and playing guitar and worship. And I was a part of the worship team. And so I thought, you know what? I feel the call of God in my life to be a musician. And so I registered and I went to South Plains College to do their music school. And for two years, I did that. And I thought at the end of my associate degree, I'm, I'm a musician, and I'm like, this is it. I'm gonna write songs that change the world. I'm gonna be the best musician that ever walked the planet. And then when I was finished there, I felt the call of God on my life to go to Bible school. I'm thinking, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Bible school, I don't love music so much as I just love using music to worship God. And so I moved to Dallas, and I went to Bible school for a year. And I learned all sorts of things about the Bible and about worship, and it was fantastic. And so at the end of that, I thought, this is it. I'm gonna go back home and work in the church as a worship pastor. But then I felt the call of God in my life to get a degree and become a teacher. And I thought, okay, I'm called to be a music teacher. The Lord told me, no, you're gonna be everybody's favorite kind of teacher, a math teacher, right, Becky Bacon? I don't know why people hate math so bad. It's fantastic. And so for five years, I'm a middle school math teacher after I graduate college. And I'm kind of starting to wonder, well, did I miss God in the beginning? Did I miss God with music? Did I miss God with Bible school? And now I'm in my purpose? Now is, is this what the purpose was? And then a job opening came, came up at Faith Christian Family Church. This is what the church used to be called. And I remember Pastor Stormy and Shelley approached me and they asked, hey, we know your heart's for ministry. Have you ever thought about associate pastor instead of worship pastor? And I prayed about it and I felt the call of God in my life to come here. So I start working in this job, start doing what the Lord's calling me to do in that season. And I remember being a little confused and thinking to myself, I feel better equipped at this job then in all these other things that I spent all that time preparing for, like I, I went to four years of school to learn how to be a teacher and then I was a teacher for five years and I feel better at this than I was at that. And I remember having a conversation with my dad one day and, and expressing that confusion and saying, why am I better at this thing that I've never even like learned how to do than I am at these things that I've spent all this time working on? And my dad helped me to see, to look back and to see how Whenever I was learning music, God was planting me here. And whenever I went to Bible school, he was putting a heart for ministry within me. And whenever I was in school learning how to be a teacher, he was actually teach, showing me and teaching me how to be a teacher of the word of God. So that when I got to this position, this part of my calling, everything before that had led to this and God was preparing me. Now I'm 34 years old, I've lived one third of my life, I'm believing for that, and I'm not so foolish to think now that this is it. 
that I've arrived, I've reached the end of my calling. I'll reach the end of my calling whenever I, I meet Jesus. And I believe that in the next season of my life, I'll look back on this season and see how God had used this season as well to continue to shape me, to continue to mold me, to bring me on the journey that leads me to who he wants me to be. And if I would have missed the music school, and if I would have missed the Bible school, and if I would have missed the education school, then I would not have been prepared for this season. And so don't miss out on the steps in your journey. Don't miss out on what is happening today. So calling is a journey. Secondly, calling is a lifestyle. And in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, this is a verse that was like one of the themes of my youth group when I was in middle school. And every time my youth pastor quoted this verse, I, I would be, it's a hard verse to obey. It's a hard verse to follow. I would wonder how I'm even supposed to do this. And here's what it says, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And I think, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, that means I'm claiming to live in Jesus, and you're telling me that I must live as Jesus did? How did Jesus live? Perfect and sinless. I screwed that up this morning, right? All of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so how did Jesus live in a way that keeps me in line with him? Look at what some of the quotes from Jesus. When Jesus was talking with the disciples after he had visited the woman at the well in John chapter four, they said, hey, Jesus, you look hungry. Let us get you something to eat. Jesus looked at them and he said, my food is to do the will of my father. And I'm sure they were thinking, but what about a sandwich? But Jesus was literally saying that it sustains me to obey the will of God for my life. When Jesus was going to the cross, you remember his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so distraught that he was sweating blood, and he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Another place in scripture, Jesus is talking with the disciples, and he tells them, you're only gonna see the son doing what the father does. I only do what I see my father in heaven doing. So how did Jesus live? How did Jesus walk? Fully surrendered to God. He was submitted in every way to the will of his father. And so if you and I are to live a, a lifestyle in our calling, if we're gonna live as Jesus did, then we have to live every day submitted and surrendered to God. Turn to the book of Luke, we're gonna be in chapter nine. And this is another one of those verses that's it's hard to swallow, but if it wasn't possible for us, he wouldn't have put it in here, right? Luke chapter nine, and this is Jesus talking and here's what he's, what he's gonna tell us. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. It says, then he said to them all, everybody who is there, everybody who is listening to him teach. He says, whoever, say whoever. Whoever wants to be my disciple must, he's gonna tell us three things, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. 
And that word that they put in there, that he put in there, is so intentional. Daily. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me daily. Why? Because you picking up your cross yesterday doesn't apply to today. You've got something that God's called you to do in every moment of every day. And it's our choice whether we pick up that cross and follow him, deny ourselves, our own flesh, our own feelings, our own wants, or it's our choice to leave our calling on the table and live our life the way that we want to. But either way, that decision occurs daily. Now there's grace for us because you can't change yesterday and you can't change last week or last month or last year. If God called you to go to school to be a doctor and you chose to go to school to be a lawyer instead, you can't change that. Then what can you do? You can pick up today's cross. And you can follow him today. And you can deny yourself today. And you can repent and call on the grace of God. And he can restore you. And from today on, you can walk in a lifestyle submitted to God and living the calling that he's placed on your life. There's a calling for us every day. Turn back just a couple books to Matthew chapter 22. See, you gotta look at your life and there's little moments that have marked who you are. Those little moments all throughout your life, those little encounters with a person. Even think of the way that you met your spouse. And you may be able to trace these little decisions, these little moments where everything lined up. That's the calling of God. That's you walking in his purpose and his plan for you. That's taking up your cross daily and following him. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. And when I've read this verse, I get the idea of like, a, like an elementary school kickball game. Anybody ever been part of one of those? Or maybe you weren't part of one of those? And the, you, for some reason, there's these two guys, maybe they're the best at kickball or something, I don't know, and they're picking teams. And one of them's like, I got Timmy. And the other one's like, I got Tommy. This other guy's like, I want Susan. And you're that kid that's like not all that athletic, and you're just in the corner wringing your hands like, come on, pick me, pick me. And then at the end of the picking, there's three kids left and you're one of them. It's like, not again, right? That's kind of the idea I've gotten as I've read this verse. Well, in God, how do I be one of the chosen ones? I don't wanna be one of the three kids left at the end of the picking. And so I started to study this verse more and look at what these words mean in the Greek language because Greek is the language that the New Testament was written in. And I think this is gonna give us some insight. In this verse, the word used for called in Greek is the word kletos, and that word means invited. The word that's used for chosen in the Greek is the word eklektos, which means picked out. And so I'm gonna read this verse again, but I'm gonna put the Greek definitions in. It says, many are invited, but few are picked out. Who are the ones that are picked out then? They're the ones that showed up. They're the ones that when they got the invitation in the mail, they marked it on their calendars and they came to the party. They're the ones that when God said, hey, follow me, they said, yes, sir, and they left everything and they walked. Those are the chosen ones. And that means that it's not some arbitrary thing 
that, that takes place. It's not the fact that I'm athletic or not athletic, good looking or not good looking. None of that matters. Those aren't the things that make me chosen. What makes me chosen is I answered the call. I answered the invitation. I showed up, I, I got on my knees and I said, God, use me however you want to. And he says, chosen, I pick you. The only ones that don't get picked, the only ones that don't get chosen are the ones that refuse to answer the invitation. They're the ones that when they get it in the mail, they throw it in the trash or they leave it on the fridge and forget about it. Many are invited. God wants a relationship with all of us, but few are chosen. So that means that being chosen or not being chosen is on you and it's on me. Are we gonna answer the call? Are we gonna answer the invitation? Are we gonna live that lifestyle? And it's not even about what I do as it is about who I am. That I recognize that I'm a son of God and that he has a plan for me and a purpose for me, so of course I want to surrender to him. I want to submit to him because I recognize that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I recognize that he has a good plan for me and that he sees the beginning from the end. And all I can see is this moment in time that we're living right now. Surrender and submit to God. If you were here last week, you heard my mom uh, give her testimony about how she would wake up in the middle of the night and how she would spend time in the presence of God. Spend time with him. And I remember those times. I remember I'd wake up to go to the bathroom. I'd walk through the living room to get to the bathroom and I'd see her with her Bible open on her lap, her face in the word of God. I'd see her praying and calling out to God. I'd see her, she would put in worship DVDs. That was a long time ago. And she would just have worship music playing and she would be worshiping her father. I remember seeing that that's the example that I got. But my mom's relationship with God isn't my relationship with God. And her prayers cover me. And her prayers, God hears her prayers and answers them on her behalf for me. But just because she has a relationship doesn't mean that I get one automatically. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And so, when I grew up, I had to make the decision that I was gonna live a lifestyle submitted to God too. That I was gonna live a lifestyle surrendered to him daily. That I was gonna have my face in the word of God and I was gonna be on my knees in prayer. That if my kids woke up early and walked through the living room to get to the bathroom, that they'd see their dad on his knees, their dad worshiping, their dad in the word. And it's the same for each and every one of us. You may have had the most spiritual mom, the most spiritual dad, the, the person in your life who was the closest to Jesus, who had this great relationship with him. But we each have to build our own relationship with him by submitting to him daily. That's the lifestyle that we are called to. And so calling is a journey, calling is a lifestyle, and lastly this morning, calling is a heart position. You can turn to Ephesians chapter two. And while you're headed to Ephesians two, in 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says this really simple statement that godliness with contentment is great gain. And so what is the position that my heart has to be in if I'm gonna live this daily call? 
It's a position of contentment. If I'm so looking forward to the next season in my life that I miss what God has for me today, then my heart is not content. I remember times in my life thinking, well, if, if I would just get married, then everything would be incredible. And then I got married and I thought, okay, well, if I can just have kids, everything will be incredible. If I could just have that new job, if I could just be out of this season, because this season stinks. If I could just, if I could just, if I could just. But when we have that attitude, when we have that mindset, we miss out on what God has for us today. Because today, I'm not there yet. Because today, I'm, I'm doing this. So today, are you content with being the best God-ordained, anointed, minimum wage worker that ever existed? Today, are you content being the best, anointed, God-ordained, single man or single woman that ever existed? Are you content being what God has called you to today? Not that you stay there, because remember, our calling is a journey. But are you content with it today? Are you content with where the Lord has placed you? And in Ephesians chapter two, in verse 10, this is a verse that most of us know well. And it says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And some people take this verse out of context and they say, well, that's, that's talking about predestination, so why would I even make these choices because I'm either gonna walk in the good works or I'm not. That's not what the verse means. Just like Pastor Solomon talked about, each of us have a choice. Each of us have a choice whether to worship God or not to worship God. And yes, Jesus has prepared good works for each and every one of us to walk in today. We get to choose whether we walk in those works or not. And when you're so looking forward to the next thing, you miss those. You miss the good works that we were created for. And I'm not saying that we don't have goals and we don't have dreams, we don't have visions. Those things are good. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. But I can't let that take my heart of contentment off of what I have to do today. I can't let my eyes get so far ahead in my journey that I'm stumbling on the things in front of me. I was trying to think of, of a certain saying when I was preparing for this, and I could not remember for the life of me what the saying was, but you know, it's like, it's like right there, it's on the tip of your tongue, but what is it? And so I came out of my office and I asked the, the other ladies in the office, okay, there's this saying and I really need to use it for the message, and it's like, use something for the something. And they look at me like, you are an idiot. Like, no, you know, it's something for the something. And so Emily, somehow, she's on cameras today. Emily somehow Googles something. I don't even know what she Googled. And she's like, oh, you mean you can't see the forest for the trees. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so this part of the message is attributed to Emily Woods. But that's the picture that I get when we're not content with where we're at today. I'm like, I, I just need to see the forest, but there's all these dang trees in the way. And that's like our calling. The trees make up the forest if you're having trouble getting this. 
If you're face in front of a tree, that's the forest. Yes, each one of those trees make up the forest. And just like that happens, each one of the moments in our day and the days in our life make up our calling. Because our calling is daily. Be content with where God has you today. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. He has you exactly where he wants you, doing what he wants you to do. And our job is to be submitted and surrendered to him. Our job is to daily pick up our cross. And our job, just like he said to Matthew, is just to follow him. Many of you may not know this story, but if you go through partnership class at the church, Pastor Shelley tells the history of Faith Church. And the church is in our 23rd year, in July, we'll hit year 24. And they talk about how Pastor Stormy and Shelley got married very young and they went right into Bible school as soon as they got married. And when they were there, they felt the call and the anointing of God on their lives to be pastors. And so when they're nearing graduation at the end of that year, she talks about how they, they started to see their friends, their classmates get jobs, you know. Oh, this person got hired as a full-time missionary. They're going off to this place and ministering the gospel. And this person got hired as a worship leader over in this city, and they're gonna be at this church, and they're gonna be doing all these great things. And this person's hired as a youth pastor. This person, and it says person after person began to get their jobs, their callings, their anointings, but nothing came for Pastor Stormy and Shelley. And this she'll tell you how they felt the call of God on their lives to go back home and help and serve in the church they came from. That was actually Pastor Stormy's brother's church. So they obeyed, and they went back, and they began to serve. And she'll tell you that they did whatever was needed. If there was a toilet that needed to be cleaned, they were cleaning the toilets. They were setting up and tearing down chairs. They were vacuuming the church building. They were teaching fifth graders in the, in the children's classes. They would host marriage groups in their home. All of it volunteer. All of it, they just serve without being paid. And she tells how there were times when they felt a little bit forgotten by God. Like, God, remember those years ago when you called us to be pastors? We're still not pastors. And for 20 years, they served, and they served, and they served, and they served. Until one day, they had the opportunity to move to Lubbock and to start a church. And they started with, she says, eight people and a dog came to their first service. It was in an apartment building. But now, they'll tell you how those 20 years volunteering and serving in ministry prepared them for everything God called them to do at this place. And aren't we all grateful that they answered the call of God to be our pastors? key was they had to be content with what God was doing in them in that season. And yes, they had the dream and the vision and the goal to be a pastor, but they didn't rush God. They waited on God's timing, and in that journey, God prepared them for what he had anointed them to do. Would you go ahead and stand up on your feet?
I know that God wants to do a few things this morning. I guess we're in the afternoon now. And the very first thing that I feel in my heart is that you hear me talk about calling and walking in your purpose and submitting to Jesus. But the very first step to all of that is that Jesus has to be your Lord. If you're gonna follow him, if you're gonna take up your cross, if you're gonna walk on his journey for you and not your own, and if your destination is going to be heaven, then Jesus has to be your Lord. And the Bible's so clear in the book of Romans, it says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. And then you get to start that journey of living submitted to him. And there may be some of you in this room and you've never made that decision before. You've never said out of your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. You've never accepted him as your savior. And there may be some of you in this room and you did ask Jesus to be your Lord and you accepted him as your savior, but since then you've walked away and you've lived your own plan lived your own purpose and he hasn't truly been your Lord in your life the Bible is very clear about that too in the book of Luke chapter 15 it talks about when a prodigal person prodigal son or daughter comes home that the father runs to them embraces them you're never too far gone to come back home to Jesus and so if that's you if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord or if you want to come home today I'm going to invite you to come up to the front here. We're going to pray with you. Our prayer team's going to surround you and encourage you. We're going to celebrate with you because the Bible says that when one sinner comes to repentance, the angels celebrate in heaven. So is that anybody in this room? If that's you, just make your way down to the front. If you would like to give your life to Jesus today. church family. I'm so proud of you ladies. Come on, y'all can do better than that. The angels are celebrating in heaven. You know, God has a purpose for all of us being here today. But I want you three to know that especially for you, God had an appointment with you today to get a hold of your hearts. proud of you, buddy. Have all of y'all accepted Jesus as your Savior before? Is any of this your first time? Your first time? So you guys are coming home today. Coming home to a relationship with Jesus. Like I said, he, he celebrates. The angels are rejoicing in heaven. There's now, therefore, no condemnation. You're not being condemned by Jesus. Condemning thoughts and feelings come from the devil. We have hope in Jesus today, and there's, there's hope to change and to surrender ourselves to him. God's grace is on you. And so, hey, we're going to pray. Would all of you pray with us? Just encouragement to each one of these, and I want you all to, to pray after me and just say, Jesus, I've walked away, and I've sinned, but I'm coming home right now. Thank you for welcoming me with open arms. 
Thank you for celebrating me. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I repent for my sin, the things I've done, and the things I've said. Forgive me. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for me. Forgive me for not walking in my call. Help me from this point on to live surrendered to you. I believe that God raised you from the dead and I confess out of my mouth that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.